Hi, this is Jim Lobato. I'm president and founder of a company called The Performance Group. Our business is helping the leadership of growth-oriented companies realize their potential. We do this by working with their sales force and helping those individuals discover and develop their unique abilities and to align those abilities with their opportunities. That's why we're known as a sales force development company. On our program today is Jill Conrath. She is the best-selling author of Selling to Big Companies, which has been on Amazon's top 25 sales books for the last three years running. Most recently, Fortune Magazine selected it as one of the eight must-read sales books. So welcome to the program, Jill. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Jill, uh, now Selling to Big Companies has been out for a couple years. Is that correct? That's correct. And uh, that really took off. Yes. And uh, so give us, uh, the first of all, the premise behind that book. I, obviously, the title is pretty uh, self-explanatory, but as you thought about putting that book together, what was the premise to Selling to Big Companies? What was really behind my initiative to write that book is that I saw so many small and medium-sized business owners really struggling to crack into the corporate markets. And and they had really good products and really good services, but they just couldn't get in to see a corporate decision-maker today and they, I mean, to even let the people know that their company even existed. And so what I did is I tried to write a step-by-step guide in terms of what a small business owner, a consultant, a uh, uh, you know, a professional of any sort, what they could do to capture the attention of the corporate decision maker and set up a meeting with that person. And uh, where where did that come from? Is it just in your background and experience of, of yourself trying to sell to big companies? Uh, where it came from is, yeah, sure, I can, um, you can tell I'm from Minnesota, yeah, sure, you betcha. But um, yes, it did come from my background, but it didn't come from it in the way that I wanted it to come from. I would I, I have been in sales my entire life and um and and I'm really have always been pretty good at prospecting, but around the year two thousand my own business took a, a huge crash and, and it fell to practically nothing. I was working with two large corporations here in the Minneapolis St. Paul area and both of them came under pressure from Wall Street at the same time and suddenly they cut all extraneous expenses. And when you're a consultant, you're not necessary to their payroll. You know, they can delay and defer you. So suddenly I went from a full calendar booked five months in advance to nothing on my plate. And I had to reinvent my business entirely at that time because it, it literally went away from these two customers who had been my best clients for eight to ten years up till that time. And so what happened is I, is I really um, I, I went through a real period where I had to rethink what I wanted to do and what I wanted to bring out to the market in terms of services. And then when I finally was ready to um, launch my business again, I started placing calls. And again, I'd always been really good at prospecting and getting my foot in the door. And suddenly, nobody answered the phone. All calls rolled to voicemail and nobody called me back. And it was like a total shock to my system that I couldn't even talk to a human being. All I got was voicemail. And, and, you know, I, I waited and I left a couple messages and I didn't know, you know, if I, want, if I was being a pain in the, in the rear end, if I kept harassing them. And so it was a real struggle and nothing happened. And I, at first I was really discouraged and I thought that perhaps my time was past and I was over the hill and there was maybe I should go back to waitressing again. But then I decided that it wasn't just me. It was the problem of the ages, you know. It was, yeah. just, it was a function of of multiple things hitting at the same time, including including simply the addition of voicemail 
you know, as a technology, was people blocked you, but also the fact that everything anybody wanted to know was on the Internet now, and they could find it without having to talk to a salesperson. And so using that as a framework that this is what's happening, the real question became, if this is true, which I believe it is, how do you get into a big company? And I actually went on a full-year um, uh, study on multiple strategies and experimented and experimented till I was able to come up with a replicable model that would work for everyone if they did their analysis of their own business. I mean, it's not just a turnkey system that you just use some special magic words. It does require work on the part of the business owner and, and the sales organization. But it literally, if you follow this process and methodology, salespeople will get their foot in the door. They will get a meeting with the corporate decision maker. You know, Jill, as, you, as I listen to your story, um, it almost sounds like you're talking about today. <laughs> yes, it well, does. It, it's interesting because, you know, the average tenure of a sales representative tends to be about five years. Mm-hmm. So if you track back five years from today, they, they wouldn't know what you're talking about in, in terms of the year of the 2000 and, and uh, going into 2001. So our audience may be experiencing this for the first time today, given what's been going on in recent months. Well, I think what's happened in recent months has exacerbated the problem that I just already defined. Because if you take a look at what it takes to set up a meeting with decision makers, um, and, and you go into their business environment, because, I mean, it's easy to look out and say, what are we doing from, you know, to try to get in how many calls does it take? But the reality of it is, is everybody that we're trying to reach today has way too much work to do. I mean, right. they're, they're literally overwhelmed, regardless of if you're calling a small company or a, or a medium-sized company or a larger company. They are not hiring staff. Each individual who is working with the company is oftentimes doing the job of one and a half or what two people did a few years ago. They are in meetings all the time. When, when um, times get tough, people like to spread the risk for decision-making around, and so um, no decisions get made without everybody being engaged, and so it's um, their time is filled with all these meetings as people are trying to move forward and figure out what to do, and 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 they don't have any time on their schedule for meeting with salespeople, nor do they want to meet with a salesperson or business owner or consultant who who comes in and blathers about their product or service offering, and so they they are even more protective than they were a few years back. You know, yeah, that's interesting because I, I tell our audience that the, you know, people ask me, says, how do you get past the gatekeeper? How do you get past the gatekeeper? And I say, well, today's gatekeeper is email, voicemail, and in a meeting. Yes, uh, absolutely. So, so as you went through this uh, in your own experience, um, what did you discover then? It, it sounds like the ball has moved, uh, the, like the playing field is almost changed. So their traditional way of just uh, calling people up and just leaving a voicemail and inspecting a call back has gone by the wayside. So what did you discover where the playing field kind of shifted to? Well, what I discovered is that we had to totally take into our consideration as we prepared for our calls who that person was on the other end and what was going through their mind. And, and we had to realize that they were sitting with their finger on the delete button at all times. And so whether they were listening to your voicemail message, their finger was on the delete button. And the minute you said something that was no longer of relevance to them, and even high-priority relevance, they delete you just like that. And the same thing is true on, on email. 
you send them an email and you, you tell them about your company or you're trying to capture their attention, but the moment they feel like they're being sold, they delete you. And what people don't realize is what is the kind of messaging that causes the decision maker to press that delete button. And, and, it, uh, and, I, and I'll go back, and if you take a look at the traditional messaging, which is where we started, you know, the traditional isn't working anymore, let me just replay what I hear all the time from people when they're leaving me voicemails. Um, and it's kind of a de facto script that most people have fallen into because they think it's the nice way to go. But basically it goes something like this. Hi, Jill. This is Bob Jones calling from XYZ Corporation. We specialize in a full range of services for all your needs in fill-in-the-blank area. I'd love to set up a time to get together with you to find out how you're handling your needs in this area and share with you what my company can do. I'd be glad to meet. I know you're a busy person. I'd be glad to meet with you at your convenience, and here's my number. I, I've got that voicemail. Yes. <laughs> he called me, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the voicemail that people are leaving because it's very nice. Hi, it's an introductory one. Hi, this is Jill Conrath or you know, Bob Jones or Sally Smith. I'm with XYZ Corporation. We specialize in. I mean, everybody starts out that way because they think that you know it's important and imperative that they explain all this detail up front. And then they, what they don't realize is, is that the minute you say, especially if you say, I'm an account executive, you know, or I'm a sales rep with XYZ company, the minute those words come out of a person's mouth, they're deleted because, again, the decision maker doesn't need to talk to a salesperson today. So where does the, you know, I was talking to a, a group of company presidents the other day, and, and I, someone asked me a question about how they can best differentiate what they're out there doing, and I said, you know, in the future, and maybe the future is today, that the the differentiating factor in your company won't be your products. It won't be your services because people can replicate those pretty quickly. It'll be the quality of your sales force. And I get this kind of blank stare back when, oh, I, when yeah. I make that comment to them um, because they there seems to be a disconnect between what you just said, the traditional voicemail, hope we get through. And then when I work with salespeople, they're surprised that people don't call them back. I know. What frustrates? Well, they don't call me back. And I say, well, they're not sitting around waiting for your voicemail and to buy your products. So how do you get people to start thinking about really in terms of, like you said, being in that seat of that buyer at the other end of the phone and what they're experiencing? How do you get our sales professionals to understand that? Well, I think it starts with the business owners, by the way, you know, the, the executives of the company, because they think that their salespeople's job is to get out and tell the community or the prospects of potential buyers out there all about their products or services. And if that's the forum that the business executive is, is you know, if that's what he or she is telling the people that work for him, then they think that their job is to do exactly what I just said. So you think hi? that the... The, the business owner is, is, to use a metaphor here, is my sales force are nothing more than a bunch of little radio stations running around giving out 30-second commercials, and we're promoting these products, and if we say it to enough people, people just automatically buy. That's what I think that a lot of executives are thinking, that our job is to just get our people out there, and, and if they only knew about us, and tell them about our great service, you know? It's like everybody says great service. It's not differentiating at all. The reality is, it, when I talk with people who are in the executive position, 
I say to them, how many salespeople contact you on a regular basis? And they, they usually tell me they're inundated with people that want to meet with them. And I say, well, what makes you delete them? And, and they know, when I turn the table back to them, they know that their finger is delete happy and that they will delete any mention of my company, you know, offers a full range of services to meet all your needs or that, you know, we're a consulting firm and then we're passionate about our service. Yeah. And, I mean, they delete those things. And so, but they've somehow not made a connection between their own behavior and what their salespeople are doing and what they're encountering out in the world. And so the first thing I tell business owners is look at your own behavior. What are those people doing? The ones that you meet with, the salespeople, the, you know, the consultants, whoever it is that you meet with, what are they doing? What are they saying on, to you on the phone that, that makes you say, whoa, I need to listen to this person? Yeah, so the, it's almost like with today's technology, take all that information, take all that product pushing, take all that features and benefits, and do a very good job of putting that out on your website. That's where it belongs. I mean, that's how people go and check it out. The reality of it is your salespeople... And I agree with you 100% that the salespeople are the differentiator, and it's not in the future. It's today. Right. It's today. That sharp salespeople, and when I say sharp, I don't mean people that can spout every feature and benefit about your company's product or service. I mean sharp that they understand where the customer is at, that they have a, 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 an understanding of business you know, and business savvy in terms of what they're trying to achieve and what their metrics might be and, and what kind of business issues and challenges that they might be running into that is relevant to your product or service offering. Yeah, and you may, they, I've heard you make a comment before as I've listened to you that, you know, today's sales professional needs to be able to create value yes. in every interaction with that customer. That sounds like me saying that, yes. <laughs> well, I that's, would, that's I a say quote that from all you. the time, yep. <laughs> All right, so, and one of the, the crazy things about value is we really don't know what value is. We only know it in the absence of not having that. So, Jill, how do we get our owners to understand where their true value is? Because that seems to be where the core is at. It's at the core, and, and they, need to, they need to let go of the fact that it's about their product and service because it isn't anymore. It isn't, and that is so hard, I think, by the way, for for people who have invested their life in building a business and, you know, creating these babies that they have. And the baby, you know, might be a new widget or it might be a new service offering. Any business owner is, is very vested and proud of what they've created, and they want to show it to the world and say, look at my baby, isn't she beautiful? And, and the, the truth of the matter is the other business owners out there don't think their baby's beautiful. They'd say, well, what can your baby be used for? And how will it impact my business? And so they have to literally take their their pride and joy, and set it aside, and then go analyze what difference it makes. And I, one of the things that I suggest that people do, especially if they've got an existing product suite or service suite that they're offering, is that they go talk to their existing customers, and they, and they have their salespeople go talk to their existing customers, and they ask them a series of questions. And let me say, first of all, they are not to go talk to their long-term customers, because their long-term customers have no memory in terms of what was life like before we used your product or service. What, you, what they need to be able to do is have a comparative discussion in terms of, so the best prospects to talk to or the best customers to talk to are those who have switched to your offering sometime in the last 6 to 12 months. Absolutely. Because yeah. they know what life was like before using the other company's you know, product or service. 
And so if they can go and have a, a real um, genuine conversation with absolutely no sales overtones at all, where they're simply curious and exploring and asking, how were things done before you started working with our company? You know, what were the bottlenecks in your system? What were the challenges that you had? What were the ramifications financially of those challenges that you had if you did it this old way or used this other product? Um, and then since you've started using or working with us, what difference have you seen? And, and to actually start doing some quantification of their value so that when, they, when the salespeople go out to talk to prospective customers, they can say, we've worked with other manufacturing companies like yours. In fact, one of our recent clients was able to reduce their supply chain costs by 26% in three months. And now you're talking the meat of business, which is what captures the attention of the decision maker as opposed to the fact that we have a new software that can really streamline things. So now what you're talking about, Jill, is just somebody who will proactively be able to talk to that decision maker about some insights on business improvement because the you know, I had a conversation the other day with a lady who helps promote seminars. That's her little niche. And uh, we also go out there and, and do seminars and executive workshops. And um, so as I talked to her and she, we spent probably, oh, 60 seconds just, you know, how you doing, that kind of stuff. And she said, why don't you send me a recent example of what you do? And I, so I emailed it over to her on the phone. And she spent three minutes telling me all the improvements that she could make mm-hmm. based on her past experience. And I remember listening to her going, well, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. We can improve this over here. So within three minutes, she was able to demonstrate um, what was not necessarily wrong with what we were doing, but the the slight improvements that you could see would increase the response rate. Mm-hmm. So is that the kind of selling are you talking about? That's exactly what I'm talking about. She was providing value to you prior to you even engaging her. Well, and it's okay. So there are sales trainers out there who say that would be free consulting and you're not supposed to do free consulting. That is correct. There are sales trainers who would say that. And that's really, you know, nice if you're in the 1970s. <laughs> okay. Well, it, for me, it was a very real experience because her closing line was this. Are you ready for this? this is the greatest closing line from all times. As we talked a little bit more, and she told me a little bit more about her background and stuff, and she said, um, well, you can keep doing what you're doing, and I'm sure you'll be fine. And if you want to improve on what you're doing, you know how to get a hold of me. <laughs> she wasn't pushing. Yeah, she wasn't pushy. She was, and, and she was so, inviting you to come, to come toward her if you thought that she would provide value. If she thought she would provide value. And I said, so what does a typical engagement look like? You know, which is, okay, there's a buying signal. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't felt like I was being sold. Right. And I felt that she really had information that could really impact with what we're doing. That's right. And, and now we're going to the next step and the next step and the next step right. after that. Well, you know, you know, one of the first times that that happened to me was probably about five or six years ago. And it, I had just put up a website, my very first website for my business. And um, I got an email from a, a young man, and uh, he was a friend. Uh, he was the son of a friend of mine, and, I, and he, was, he was, did web design. 
and, you know, he wanted me to look at him to do more web work. And I was like, I just finished, you know, putting up my website. The last thing in the world I wanted to do was to work with the son of one of my good friends. And, and the, the young man was very persistent. And finally, one day I got this email from him that said, Jill, I have um, taken uh, your website and I've done some rearrangement on it in a way that I think would be more effective for you and, you know, help you get better results. Same thing that, you know, the woman that was doing, you know, that you were talking to. And he said, click here and you can see some of the ideas I have for your website. So I'm at this point, I can't not click. You know, it's okay. He's got ideas for how to improve my operation. He's invested time in me up front, by the way, which is huge, investing time up front and proving your value. I clicked through. I saw what he had done. He called me. We talked about it. Um, and he had some really good ideas. I wasn't ready to do anything on the website I just completed, but I did have a secondary web project in mind, and I immediately hired him to take on the secondary project because he provided more value in that short period of time than the company that I had used prior to for the website I'd just done. Yeah, so how do you get, uh, in your experience, I was um, talking to a vice president of sales the other day, mm-hmm. and I was mentioning about... Um, some future training programs were coming up. And he said, Jim, he says, we don't need to send our people to training right now. We need them to be making more sales calls. <laughs> and I thought to myself, okay, so traditionally our managers tend to push two buttons with our salespeople. And those two buttons are more. More, and more, not, more. Yeah, and, and not enough, not enough. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, in the economic times we're in, in the mindset of the buyers with a country that appears to be paralyzed if not fearful of their future of their future you think that going out and knocking on more doors telling the same story you told last year is going to work yeah it's it's not going to work it's it's um it's the the truth like you said it's the way that sales managers vps of sales think that you motivate people is you got to get out and get more and more and more and the truth is you do need more and, and the research is showing you at, you need 50 percent more prospects today per order than you did less than a year ago. So you do need more, but you will not get more prospects in your pipeline by just making, by dialing for dollars and making more of the same stupid calls. Right. You know, I mean, you know, you know, you, you can get, just get deleted more times, you know what I mean? Why would you waste your time doing that? The key is to make good calls that are very focused on business needs. And, and if this gentleman that you're talking to is not focusing on the quality of the interaction that his people are having, then he's making a big mistake because they'll just be in a frenzy to do activity, but the resulting, you know, what he gets from it won't be any different. It'll just be more deletes, more frustration, more fear in his own sales organization because now they're even working harder than they've worked before, and they're still not getting results. And then they don't know where they can go. But the, the, to me, it, there's a huge thing about effectiveness that people need to focus on in terms of we need to analyze what is it that's going to work. And, I mean, like what I did in my book. I mean, when I studied how to get into big companies, there are, there's absolutely messaging that works and there's messaging that doesn't work. And it's plain as day. And yet 95% of the people are out there using messaging right now in their emails, in their letters, in their, in their phone calls to people. They're using messaging that does not work. You and I both know that there's a lot of people out there frustrated with their efforts right now. And as you look at them and work with them, um, what's, their, what's their frustration? What are they trying to break through and, and, and understand about their, their own companies and themselves? What are you seeing out there? 
I'm seeing them struggle to shift to business-oriented thinking for their salespeople. I'm seeing them not investing in their salespeople as value-creating opportunities and, and as the differentiator out there. I, I see them hiring new people, um, saying, here's everything you need to know now. Go get them. And, and, you know, sending them rushing out to the market, hoping that they will produce uh, immediately for them, and, and instead they run into failure. What I'm also seeing is a huge lack of sales enablement tools or tools that you can you know, have a library for salespeople of best practices in terms of here's what we've discovered. If you're calling on accounting firms, here are their key business issues in the accounting firms. Here's the person that you'd likely be you know, talking to in these firms. Here's how their performance is measured. Here's how, what kind of value proposition is, is um, effective with these people. And here are some questions that you can ask. I, I, I think if you really want to raise the performance level of all your salespeople, you will stop and you will develop these libraries and make them working documents, and you will constantly engage your salespeople in discussions about who are we calling on, what are their business issues, what is working, how, you know, what questions are effective, what are we using you know, to get in. Um, has anybody found any effective messaging? When I engage people in that, you'd be surprised that there are pockets in an organization that do have really good insights. But again, this is a, a discipline that sales organizations need to, to um, take, and it's the creating of tools that salespeople can use so you have some quality controls, you have some consistency in the organization, you can onboard new hires and get them up to speed faster, and you can capture the, the intelligence and the savvy of your most talented performers and make it available to the average guy in the company. What do owners, presidents, VPs of sales need to know about their salespeople, how they're feeling today, given the fact of what we talked about on this program? Because I, I sense that you probably have some insight, because you probably work with these individual salespeople, of what they're telling you that their managers probably aren't hearing. So what do they need to know about their salespeople that they're probably not hearing from them? They need to know that their salespeople are working hard, but the old ways aren't working, and they, they're desperately searching for something that works. Um, managers also need to know that their salespeople feel, and, and sales executives feel like they're not working if they're doing research on companies and they're preparing um, they're preparing customized messaging for the companies that they want. So they actually need to slow their salespeople down and tell them it's okay. We want you to spend time researching these firms. We want you to prepare good messaging. We want you to test your messaging out. We don't want you running out there, which is exactly the opposite of what they're telling them right now, to make more. They should be saying make really good ones. Think about what you're doing. Yes, we need to make a lot of calls, but let's work on effectiveness and what works because Honestly, salespeople are really scared. They don't know what else to do. And they're working, in many cases, as hard as they can. They're fearful, but they literally don't know what to do. Jill, I had a person early on in my career tell me, for every book you read on sales and on the sales skills, sales tactics, and that stuff, read two or three books on business. Because mm -hmm. if you can understand business and where you fit into that business, you'll, you'll never have any problem selling. You got good advice early on. Yeah. So 
that's what I'm hearing you saying today is how can we help our sales professionals really understand the businesses that they're calling into, the issues that they're facing, and so they can address those. And then their products and services just happen to be a byproduct that, hey, we can help you improve your situation. Absolutely. I mean, the reality of it is, is if, a, if a salesperson walked out of an office, if, if the person he or she was meeting with would write a check for $500 to that person as they were leaving and say, man, thanks for your time today. You provided me some great information or the your insights you asked me or the, that you shared were, were provocative. The questions made me think, um, and it's been worth our time to meet with you. If that person would write a check, then that salesperson is in like Flynn, you know, it's because they're providing value. And that's all that corporate decision makers want today. They want to work with people who can provide value because they're literally too busy to think of all the things that they need to think about. They're really looking, desperately looking for resources who can step in there and have their best intention in mind and add value to what's going on right now. Jill, your new book that just came out is actually an e-book which is called Get Back to Work Faster. Tell me about that. I just had launched Get Back to Work Faster, and I'm real excited about it because it's really the application of what we've already talked about, the selling to big companies principles and in terms of job search. And a few months back, I, many of my friends uh, lost their jobs through no fault of their own. They were good people, working hard, doing the right things, and, and their companies just downsized or shed whole divisions, and suddenly they were out of work. And they've been working so hard to find a job, but they're so discouraged because they're just playing not enough jobs out there right now. And so because of the fact that I have been in the job creation business for the past 20-odd years as I've had my own company, one of the things that I know how to do and what I talk about in my Selling to Big Companies book is how to create opportunities where none exist. And it's a different way of going after job searching. So my, I, I pulled together this ebook that shows people how to target the companies that they want to go after, how to create messaging that's attractive to corporate decision makers or, the, or, the, or the, any decision makers in the company, how to find out the business issues that companies are facing right now, how to um, take your own skill set and, and talk about what you do in a way that helps the, the potential employer see that you could add value to them right now. The whole premise, though, behind it is that you're maybe not going to find a job right away, but you're going to find paid work doing what you do well because it's your expertise. It's, it's the area of uh, work that you really are the best at and you love doing things. And, and you won't be discouraged as you keep butting your head against the wall and don't find anything. So you've got money coming in the door. You're doing work you love. And the likelihood that you will get offered a job after you've done some of these projects for companies is much higher and you get the job without competition. So that's what I'm doing and showing people how to do in the new book, get, the new book, Get Back to Work Faster. It's um, a website I'm launching on this too, getbacktoworkfaster.com, and it's up now and running, and we're real excited with what's happening. It's getting a lot of attention, as you might imagine, in today's time. Very much so. So it's really, um, just as in your other book, you talk about how the people who run these companies have to change their mindset about how they feel they should um, use their sales force, you're really telling the individuals now you need to rethink about your skills, which you have out there, and rethink employment. Yes, you need to rethink employment, too. 
It's about re- shifting. The truth is if they follow the same old pattern, which is creating a resume, which, by the way, is a brochure, like, you know, you, if you relate it to selling, um, it's a company brochure. Um, they can post it on, they can post their brochure on Monster or, you know, one of the websites. But all that is just like posting your brochure on a website. You know, nobody goes out and cares about the brochures anymore. <laughs> You know, so the resume way of doing it, and even a cover letter. Hi, this is, you know, Jill Conrath. I understand you have a position, or I'm wondering if you have any positions in, you know, manufacturing. I'd be love to talk with you about this. I have skills and experience. They kind of go, well, that's really nice, but that's really boring. And so if you want to get back to work faster, you have to target the company you're going after, research the firm, figure out how to align your skill set with the issues and challenges that they're facing, and contact the employer in a way that captures his or her attention and makes them say, ooh, that's interesting. Come on in, let's talk. And it's almost like in the early uh, 2000s, it, this, the, the concept of the, uh, the uh, freelance type employee or the contract employee. Yes. And you and I both know, we work with enough companies, that if someone had expertise in, let's say, web design, if someone had expertise in just getting into companies, if someone had expertise in writing, if somebody had expertise in IT, or it doesn't matter what position, it had expertise in just doing very good and organizing an office, that these companies would love to have somebody come in and work on that project so they can keep moving ahead in the times we're in, and that person would have a chance to demonstrate that they're a quality employee, and maybe there's other opportunities, not only inside that company's, but maybe they know somebody else who's looking at hiring. Yes, and that's exactly what I'm talking about, is that companies don't want to hire for these needs, and they do maybe need a website, and they do need help with the accounting issues that has popped up in a particular area. Uh, they need help in uh, creating marketing collateral, and they don't want to bring somebody on to the, you know, they don't want to hire people right now. They want to outsource this. So if a person who is in a job search mode can say, I, I am a viable business entity unto myself, I can create work right now helping these companies um, solve these issues and do project work, they get their foot in the door, which is exactly what I talk about in selling to big companies. Get your foot in the door. Do some work for them a small project, and more things unfold. And lo and behold, you know, you might be referred by somebody else in the company now who's met you. You might be brought onto that company, again, with minimal or no competition for the job, which is a whole lot different than fighting 482 people for a job, landing in the top five and losing it. The book is Get Back to Work Faster. The author is Jill Conrath. Jill, if they wanted a copy, where would they go again? GetBackToWorkFaster.com. <laughs> Pretty easy. Pretty easy, and it's available for a free download for anybody. It's actually it's, it's for professionals who are in the job seeking, um, who are job seekers right now. Jill, thanks for being on the program. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me today. This or other BizTalk podcast may be downloaded by visiting our website at www.biztalkradioshow.com. Or you can subscribe to BizTalk through iTunes. If you want to learn the strategies how to take your sales force to the next level, you can contact the Performance Group at 800-550-9509. Or visit us on the web at www.pmgllc.net.